Now, today I am kicking off a brand new series, and I'm thrilled, I'm pumped about it. It's called Anchored Soul. And the idea comes from the passage in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. It says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. Two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. And I love that. God doesn't lie. It's impossible. It's not even part of his nature. He can't even do it. Look, it says, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge. How many have fled to God for refuge? God, I, I need you. You've got to be my place of security and comfort and refuge. It says, look, we can have great confidence. Confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Come on, how many need an anchor for your soul? That, that, that's really this series. It's about us really locking in with God, that God would be the anchor for our soul, the souls, our mind, our will, our emotions, that we wouldn't be all over the place, but that we would be anchored to an unchangeable God, that He never shifts or changes with culture or society or the economy. And so really this series is, is my attempt for us to grab a hold of God and become steadied by His power not by the world, not by the things of the world, the economy, anything else. It's, God, we are held steady through the storm because we're anchored to you. So that, look, even when things are changing, even when life has been flipped upside down, look, I don't have to drift. You don't have to drift. That we can stay securely fastened to God. And really, that's where the name for our church came from. The name Anchor Bend came from the fact that it's a knot. I don't even know if, if you know it, but, it, but anchor bends a knot that holds a rope and an anchor together. The rope, we believe, represents people. The anchor, of course, represents God. We want to be that thing that connects you to God. Why? Because it's important for a Christian to be anchored to God. And if we can remain connected to him, listen, we're not going to drift regardless of what happens, regardless of who gets elected as president, regardless of what's going on in the economy or society, we will remain steadfast and stand firm because we're anchored to the rock of ages. And I, I think some of you, you need that right now more than ever, that you're experiencing a storm. I mean, we all experienced this crisis over the last four or five months. And I want to make sure we're not drifting. I want to make sure we are steady in the presence and the power of God. So, so how do we anchor our souls? That's what this series is going to be all about. Now, I was reading recently my one-year Bible. I read it every single day, but a passage stood out to me. Uh, if you are new to Christianity, I'm going to ask you to do that. I want you to grab a one-year Bible. And what that does, if you'll read every single day in one year, you'll have read through the entire Bible. And so it gives you a, a New Testament scriptures. It gives you Old Testament. It gives you Psalms, Proverbs, and it allows you to get the full counsel of God's Word. Well, I was reading my one-year Bible, and God led me to the passage that I'm going to share on over the next couple of weeks. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And as I began to read it, the Lord really shook me. 
and began to speak to me. And I felt like he was showing me that this is where he wants us to go as a church, that this is our plan. I've been asking God, God, what's the plan? Like, how how do we move forward in the fall? How do we continue to advance your kingdom? I I really need wisdom. And I read this passage and I really believe it's going to help you as it's helped me as a church. We move forward in what God wants to do. And so I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through the passage. I'm going to share it with you. And uh, I'm asking you to lean in. I'm asking you to take notes. I'm asking you to believe that this is a word from God for you. Even if you're new to Anchor Bend, even if this is your first time to be a part of our service, I really believe God has this word just for you. That's right, for you. And this is a moment that's going to begin to shift and define your life. Now, Second Chronicles chapter 20, let me set up the background. Uh, for those of you that maybe are not familiar with this passage of Scripture, it's about a king. His name is Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah. He was a good king. Not all the kings were good. He was a good king. He loved God. And he actually led his people back to true worship of God. And in verse or chapter 20, what we see is the nation is in a national crisis. Come on, how many know America's in a national crisis? So just like America, they found themselves in a crisis. Now, Judah's crisis was that an army was invading the land. The Moabites, the Amorites, they wanted to destroy them. Uh, But in this story, what we see is there is a leader that God raises up and leads God's people in the right way. And God ends up saving the entire nation from destruction. So in other words, God moves supernaturally on their behalf. And what is absolutely amazing is that he delivers them from their enemy and they never drew a single sword. It was a a victory that they experienced where God moved and supernaturally defeated their enemies. And I believe that we're in a time right now that where the enemy has stepped into your life, the enemy is trying to defeat your life. God is going to step in in a supernatural way that as we respond the right way to this crisis, that God is going to begin to step in and fight the battles that we are faced with in our life. And and the way we respond matters. The way we uh, behave in this season, I believe it matters as to what God does on our behalf. Now, I want to start in verse 2. Of course, I'm not going to read the whole passage. You can find the whole story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2 through 29. But I'm going to hit the highlights, and uh, I think you'll get the story. And I want to share a few things that I believe is going to really set the course of the fall for your life. In verse 2, it says, Some of the people came and told Jehoshaphat that a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. So we see right here, there's an army that's coming to attack Judah. Jehoshaphat is the king. And when he hears this report, verse 3 actually says he's alarmed. Now, when you think about alarmed, you know, sometimes you think, oh, okay, no, no, really, another translation says He was afraid. So Jehoshaphat hears that the enemy is coming and he's afraid. And there's fear that begins to grip his heart. But look at what it says. It says Jehoshaphat actually resolved to inquire of the Lord. So what's he do? When when fear came, he begins to pray. And it says he proclaimed a fast. Everybody say fast. 
That's right. Turn to your neighbor, whoever you're watching the, the service with. Why don't you tell them, say, fast. Come on, that's, that's for us. He said, for all of Judah. So he proclaims there's a fast for the whole nation. He calls these people to prayer and fasting. Look at verse 4. It says, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. So there's synergy happening. So it wasn't just the leader. They didn't just delegate and say, hey, you go find the word of the Lord. You go fast. No, no. Jehoshaphat says, listen, there's an enemy. He's not just coming for me. He's coming for all of us. They're coming to destroy not only you, but your families, the cities that we build, all this that God has given to us. And so he begins to inspire them to pursue God. And corporately, there is synergy as they come together and seek the Lord. And so it says they came from every town in Judah to seek God. So all the people responded. Wasn't just the leader, wasn't just a couple. It says all of them. And they began to pray and fast. And so here's some of Jehoshaphat's prayer. Look at verse 12. It says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. When I was reading this passage, I just thought, God, that's, that's exactly how I feel. Look, if I can just be candid with you, uh, I don't have a bat line to God. I don't have a, a, a crystal ball that tells me what's going to happen. I mean, nobody knows what's about to happen. So I, I don't know what to do. But thank God I know where to go. And so the, the understanding and humility of God, we, we don't know what to do. There's an enemy attacking us. Um, have you ever been in a place where you didn't know what to do? Because I know I found myself in a place. I mean, here's, do I send my kid back to school? Or do I put them online and homeschool them, right? It's, I, I don't know what to do. do. Do I take the job that means I've got to transfer away? Or do I stay here believing that God has something else for me, right? I, I don't know what to do. Have you ever found yourself like, do I keep uh, tithing even though times are tough? Or do I use that money to pay bills, to buy groceries, because I don't always feel like I have enough, right? It's, it's I don't know what to do. Do I go to, to a college that's out of state, or do I stay here and go locally to the University of Houston or Wharton County Junior College, right? I, the, I, I don't know what to do. And look at what it says about Jehoshaphat in verse 13. It says, but our eyes are on you. So, so he's saying, listen, God, I don't know what to do, but I fix my eyes on you. Think about it. That's all focus. So I focus on God. I don't focus on the situation. I don't focus on what's happening. I need to focus on God. In verse 14, God responds to him through a prophet. And it says, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And I, I came today to tell you. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Look, I know that it feels like the enemy is attacking. I know that there is a threat of, uh oh, the economy could collapse. I know there's this threat of maybe I could get sick or my kids could catch COVID. Or, and, and I know that there's a threat. But I want you to know, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the battle. Look at what it says. Is not yours. What, what, what do you mean? No. The battle belongs to God. Can I get an amen right there? God, this is your battle. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. And this is your battle. Look at what verse 17 says. He goes on. He says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see. 
So that means I'm going to get in position. That's my job. And I'm going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. And then when I do that, I'm going to be able to watch with my own eyes, which means it happens not only spiritually, but it happens physically. I'll be able to watch the deliverance that the Lord will give to me to you, to our church, and we are going to see this region actually experience victory because God is fighting on our behalf. Look at what he says. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, what do we have to do? And then verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down to his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, they fell down and worshiped before the Lord. There is a power to worship. There is a power to worship. I'm going to talk about that one week as well. Verse 20, go on. It says that this is the word to Jehoshaphat. It says, have faith in the Lord, your God, and you will be upheld. So I got to have faith in God. It says, have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week. So make sure you tune back in. We're going to talk about how to make sure we're, we're focused and believing in the right things. It's going to be a powerful message. Verse 21, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. So they begin to praise and worship God. And it says, as they began to sing and praise, so they began to sing. They began to praise. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were in Invading Judah, and look at what it says. They were defeated. The enemies of Judah were defeated. So Judah didn't even have to draw a single sword. So imagine going into battle and say, we're going to win, but we're not going to fight. Everybody would think you're crazy. Look, going into this COVID crisis in the fall, people say, listen, it doesn't make sense. I don't have to have it make sense. I just need a word from God. I've got to obey God. God is fighting on my behalf. Would I rather fight the battle or would I rather obey God and let God fight the battle on my behalf? And then if you continue to read through, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, it says their enemies turned on each other. They killed one another. So I just term it like this, supernatural victory. Supernatural victory. God birthed victory. God breathed victory. Some of you right now, you need a supernatural victory. Doesn't make sense in the natural. Seems in, impossible. And I want you to know it is impossible, but God. Come on, can I get a but God? And he is going to bring victory in our lives. That's what the next few weeks are about. I'm going to talk to us about making sure that we're anchored in our souls so we can experience the victory God has for us. I believe this story, as I read it, really parallels where we're at as a nation. I mean, our nation is in crisis. There's a health crisis. There's a political crisis. There's a social crisis. I mean, we are in the middle of the greatest upheaval in America that we have ever seen, that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And the enemy is approaching and he wants to destroy us. Make no bones about it. He wants to steal, kill and to destroy our lives. And when we begin to see the enemy operating in the world, fear can grab a hold of us and, and grip our hearts. Look, God didn't come to give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love, of sound mind and self-discipline. And, and I came to tell you there is hope. I don't care what it looks like in the natural. There is hope that God is on the scene. God is moving on your behalf. And I know you may be watching right now. You feel defeated. You feel hopeless. God is the God of hope. God is the God that has positioned you right here, right now to hear his word, to move you forward in victory. 
And just like Jehoshaphat, the nation of Judah, look, God wants us to step out in His victory. And there are some things that you need to do to get in position. And uh, I want to share a couple of them with you this morning. The first thing is Jehoshaphat fought his fear. He fought his fear. He was afraid in verse 3. You know, it talked about the alarmed. But I need you to know fear didn't paralyze him. No, no, no. See, he didn't give up. He didn't shrink back. What Jehoshaphat did was he stood up. He said, look, I, I can't beat this battle or fight this battle on my own. I can't beat these nations that are rising up against me. But I choose to stand up and to go to the one who can. And I want you to know it's not wrong for you to feel fear. It's a natural emotion. God gave us that human emotion of fear. Everybody experiences fear. We think about healthy fear, right? I mean, the fear of God is healthy. What, what do you mean? Are we supposed to be afraid of God? No. The fear of God is, is where I honor God. I reverence God. There's a healthy fear of God in my life. That's healthy. That's normal. Think about this fear of fire. I know. Come on. That, that's a healthy fear. Look, if we didn't have fear of fire, I mean, uh, we'd step in a fire pit. We'd go put our hands over the stove. Anybody ever touched a, a, a fire on the stove? I mean, you only have to do it once. You know, maybe it's fear of walking off of a bridge. The gravity will fall. You know, if, if, I, if I step over something that's high, that I'll fall off. I mean, that's natural. That's normal. How many got a fear of snakes? All right, here, here's one. How about a fear of roaches? Come on, that is just normal. That's natural. You're okay. Like roaches are, no, no, that is no. It's healthy. So I'm not talking about healthy fear. I'm talking about an unhealthy fear. Fear that paralyzes us that keeps you from obeying God, that keeps you from moving forward. God gave a word. This is your year to move forward. And fear would try to grip you so that you don't move forward as God has planned in your life. And you have to know that the devil wants you to walk in fear. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to live your life afraid, afraid of what's going to happen with the economy afraid of what's going to happen with the elections, afraid of the violence and the riots, afraid of getting sick. Listen, he wants you to walk around afraid of getting COVID. That's right. That everywhere you go, I'm afraid. No, no. Fear didn't come from God. That's the enemy. He wants you afraid that your kids are going to get COVID. You know, maybe it's like at school, like God, I'd send them, but I'm afraid. Well, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And, and I want you to hear my heart too. Listen, I'm not minimizing the real concerns that we all have with the, the, the COVID-19, with, with our health. But I do need you to know this. We should never be walking around in fear. It shouldn't paralyze us. I, I know there are some real concerns. I know people have got it. Listen, three weeks ago, I had it. I get it. But I do want you to know the enemy's tactic is to paralyze you and to cause you through what most people would say is common sense. But really, it's the foundation of fear to be paralyzed, to be isolated and to get stuck. And I came to make sure we don't get stuck. As your pastor, God put it in my heart to make sure that his people move forward, that, that we're not staying stuck, but truly we're anchored to God. We walk in wisdom and we walk in faith, refusing to bow our knee to fear. And I want you to know and remember everything is spiritual. Everything that happens. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, uh, Paul tells us, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. 
So we're fighting a real spiritual battle. And one of the tactics the enemy uses to paralyze you is fear. And we've got to be aware of that, that that he wants us to be stuck where we're at because we're afraid. Now, I know you could be thinking, look, I won't be afraid when everything goes back to normal. Look, pastor, when it goes back to normal, I'm going to be good. I won't be afraid. But I want you to know, I don't think we're ever going back to what was normal. I think people are like, well, you know, I, no, no, no. I need you to know that, that COVID-19 uh, has not just caused a detour. Because that's what I think people believe, that, that look, hey, this is just a detour. We're going to go back to normal um, and, and everything will be great. But I don't think it's a detour. I think we're headed to a place that we've never been to before. And there's a difference. You know, recently I was driving down Benton Road over by my house and I was headed to an appointment. And all of a sudden I got to a place where they were working on the road and there was a barricade with a sign that said detour. And that sign had an arrow and it was pointing me to a different direction. I didn't want to go a different direction. I wanted to go that direction. I was trying to get to Highway uh, 59 and I knew where I wanted to go. I've got to get there. Well, I was forced to go down a different road that I wasn't planning on going down. It was a different path, but ultimately I still was able to get to the same place. It just took a little bit longer and it was a little inconvenient. I think that's how people are right now perceiving COVID. It's just a little detour. We're going to go back, but I don't see it as that. I really believe COVID is a bridge to a new reality. That we're going to a new place that we've never been before. That uh, just like a bridge, when you get on a bridge, you're not going to uh, take a detour to the same. No, no, no. I'm going to a new place that I've never been to. It's a new destination altogether. I believe, listen to me, we're on a bridge heading to a place we've never been before. And we're not going to back, going back to the way things used to be. There, There is a new normal. I mean, there's a new way that we work. I mean, many of you are still remotely working from home. I've heard of businesses actually selling their commercial locations because they figured out, look, I don't even have to have a building. Everybody can just remote work. There's a new normal in the way we work. Think about school. I have four kids, four chitlins, four babies. That's where all the gray hair comes from. Come on, somebody. It's not just age. That's wisdom. And I know for us, even in the school year, we're in Lamar School Districts. Uh, they've given the option, look, you can go to school in person, you can go to school online. And there's about a 50-50 split from the surveys that I've read. School will not be back what it used to be. Think about church. Some people say, look, I, I just, look, I don't know if I'm coming back. If it's, I, w- I want to watch it. And some of the things have been great. We've learned we can live with Zoom. We can do a greater impact with our online church and continue to reach more people. But nothing substitutes the gathering of God's people in a location together. But it still changed the church forever. Think about how we socialize. But just think about it. The way we interact with one another. It's forever been changed. How many watched a movie or a show and in COVID, you're like, you see two people get close with a high five, they hug, you're like, whoa, that's not social distancing. Well, when they filmed it, we didn't even know what social distancing was. Like, so now we actually are watching it thinking they're not social distancing. In reality, not even recognizing that our brains are being rewired. Recently, I was talking to Pastor Chris about this very thing. And he was telling me a story about his daughter, Kinsley. 
uh, who's only two years old, and they went to the store, and they were getting out of the car, and his daughter started freaking out and telling him, Daddy, Daddy, you don't have a mask. And, and so he, he's like, I was going to get a mask. I just stepped out. But she's getting on to him. His two-year-old daughter's getting on to him about a mask and him not wearing it just outside the car. Think about that. Think about it. All Kinsley's known as she has grown is that, look, when I go outside the four walls of the house, we wear masks. I mean, think about that kind of a new normal. I mean, things are changing. We're not going back to the way they used to be. And I know that it can be scary. I know everyone experiences the fear of, oh my gosh, what's happening, where are we going? But here's what I want you to hear. You get to choose your response. It's okay to feel it, but what are you going to do once you feel it? And I want you to see what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat actually sought the Lord. Think about crisis. Is coming to his nation. He's afraid. He doesn't go to other things or other people. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to fight fear. And the way I do that is I'm going to seek God through prayer and fasting. It says he resolved to inquire the Lord. And then he, he, he said, look, I'm going to go fast for all of Judah. That's what I want this nation to do. He proclaimed a fast. And then he led the people in that and it's because they got into position, that nation experienced a supernatural victory against an enemy who otherwise would have destroyed them. And I want you to know, God wants you to get in position for victory. And some of you, you haven't been experiencing victory. Maybe it's because you've turned to everything but God in this situation for help. Look, maybe you've turned to some things that will numb the pain, maybe drugs, you know, God set you free from drugs, but you've kind of gone back and started dabbling. Maybe it's alcohol. Just go get an extra six pack. It's no big deal. You're at the house, but you know, you're not, you're not running from God necessarily. You're just numbing the pain. Maybe it's pornography. I just don't want to deal with this. And so I'm going to go check out and uh, do, do something that gets me through this crisis. Maybe it's work. Maybe you're at home and where a lot of people have been spending extra time with the family, you become a workaholic. There are no clear boundaries. And so you just keep yourself busy from morning to noon to night. And you've allowed work to numb the pain. Maybe it's media. You've just fedged out. You've watched everything on Netflix and Redbox and all the different things just to try to get your mind off of what's happening. You've run to those things instead of running to God. Maybe you're someone, you're sitting there right now, you're like, Pastor Jim, I'm not like them. I'm not like that. No, no. But, but you find yourself, instead of running to God, you run to your friends. You've run to your family. Maybe you've run to the government. You're saying, hey, you, you know, thank God for the stimulus checks. I appreciate it. Man, it's a huge blessing. I know it is. But the reality is, I need to know that the government is not my source. God is our source. Now, I want you to hear my heart. I'm not saying that it's wrong to get help from people. God puts people in our lives to help us through tough times. We all know that. In fact, that's what this church was built on. That's what I love about our small groups. Small groups are not something we do. It's who we are. And in five weeks, everybody say five. 
five weeks, we are going to be launching our fall semester of small groups. Well, why do we do it? Because we want to do life with people. We need people who are connected together saying, look, in your good days, I'm going to be there. In your bad days, I'm going to be there. But we do life together. I'm going to take off the mask. I'm going to show you the real me. In fact, that's where the Bible says we actually experience healing. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. Healing comes in the context of relationships. So I'm not saying that we can't have friendships and people we rely on. All I'm saying is, do you run to them first? See, Jehoshaphat had advisors, he had friends, he had family, but didn't say he ran to them first. You know where? He ran to God. So in other words, let me say it like this. Prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. It's not a, okay, God, I've tried all these other things and I guess I'll try you. No, it has to be, man, I'm all in. God, you're the source. I'm going to pray first. I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to lean into you because you are the one who brings me to the place of victory. And that's why I'm excited about the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it starts today. Come on, give me some hearts, thumbs up. Yee-woo. I'm in Texas, so I can say, yeah. Look, I love 20, 21 days of prayer and fasting. I mean, for me, my flesh hates it, but my spirit longs for it. Why? Because I know through experiences, the beginning of this church, we've done this, and it positions us in the right spot for God to speak to us, for us to stand firm, and for Him to bring victory on our behalf. So we're going to spend the next 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll do this together. Now, I'm asking everyone to join me in this, that just like Jehoshaphat stood up in front of the nation of Judah, and he called the whole nation, I'm calling the whole church Anchor Bend. If this is your church, if I'm your pastor, I'm calling you to fast with me, that together we're going to see God move like never before. This is a season of breakthrough, a season of breakout. This is a season for us to run faster than we've ever ran before because of the power of God. He's going to do something we've never seen, and we've got to be in position. There was ever a time that we need God. We need Him now. Now, I want to explain it for those of you that are new to Christianity. Maybe you just gave your life to Christ, even through the online services. Maybe you've never even been to one of our physical services, but you've been joining us. Let me help explain uh, what fasting is. Fasting is actually voluntary weakness. It's saying, God, I make myself weak. I voluntarily say no to something I love for the one that I love even more. And so we choose not to eat food for a set amount of time. You could do uh, a full fast. Now, a full fast is where we say, I'm not going to eat food at all for 21 days. A lot of people with this will just drink water. Some of them will have water and juice. Um, But really, we say, I'm not eating. Now, it's not a hunger strike. Come on, this ain't a weight loss program. This is a time where we say, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to spend the extra time focused on God. So where I would eat a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set aside those times and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen to worship. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm just going to, God, give you those extra hours, those extra time so that I can get in position to hear you 
better. Then there's a partial fast. Look, partial fast can be done in a couple of ways. It's, hey, uh, you know, Phyllis does this a lot of times. She uh, struggles with diabetes. And so she'll do three days each week of full fast. And then the other, she'll do a modified fast, which the, the remaining four days, she'll say, look, I'm not going to eat during lunch. And I go and pray, spend extra time with God. Um, and so that's a partial fast. So whether you do it the whole time, just taking out a meal, or whether you do just a couple of days each week, you just say, I'm, I'm going to fast food. And then there's a Daniel's fast. Now, Daniel's fast is no meats and sweets. Um, and so it's really fruits and vegetables and whole wheat grains. And so uh, you could do a Daniel's fast. All I'm asking is that everyone joins me in the fast. Also, I'd have you consider this. Why don't you consider giving up media? I have found a lot of times media is a big distraction for us. Uh, now, social media, if you give up social media, pick it back up on Sundays, come back to church, come on back. Don't take off for, for 21 days, but, but go ahead and share it and do all that. But the rest of the week, get off of social media. Maybe don't watch television, don't watch podcasts, don't go on YouTube, don't watch movies. Just say, God, for the next 21 days, I, I just want to hear clearly from you. We're in a place how many know that we've got to hear from God? And I don't want any distractions. So I want to encourage you, pray about it, ask God. And then today we start uh, that, that fasting portion. And then what's the prayer part, Pastor? Well, if you're new to Anchor Bend, that's where we come together corporately and we pray. Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Saturdays from 9 to 10 a.m. And so we come to the Dream Center, the Fort Bend Dream Center. That's where I'm filming right now. I've got the film crew back here. Love you guys, Pastor Paul, George, Joanna. So we're actually filming right here in the Dream Center. And so we'll have it set up for uh, you to come in person. Now we're going to socially distance our dream team will be uh, checking uh, their temperatures. Everyone I'm asking, look, you come in person. Everyone has to wear a mask. We, we're going to wear masks. Make sure your kids are wearing masks. We're going to socially distance. But come on to, to the campus in person if you're comfortable with it, just like normal. Uh, you know, last year, typically we'll have 100, 120, 130 people come at 6 a.m. It's the most powerful thing that you'll ever experience. But maybe you say, I'm not ready. We're going to stream it. So thank God for our, our media team. In fact, why don't you give them a shout out, give them some thumbs up, say, yeah, they've done a fantastic job while we've been online. They're going to make this available online. And so through all the same media outlets that you watch, you'll be able to stream the, the hour-long corporate prayer through those media outlets. The only thing I would recommend and ask is don't multitask it. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes you can say, oh, I'm going to stream it. And you go wash dishes or you go wash your clothes or you go get dressed. I'm asking you to do it as if you were here, like lock into a room, put it on and say, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm locking in in that time. If you could do it, I, I ask that you do it. Join us as we go into the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want you to know prayer matters. It matters more than maybe you even knew. Uh, it does this. It changes me and it changes things. It repositions me and then it changes the things that I can't change. It aligns me to be in position with God's word, which brings victory to my life. It gives us strength to stand firm. And God fights our battles. Look, I want to encourage you, like Jehoshaphat. We're going to seek God. I'm asking you as your leader, join me as we seek God. Look, I don't know what the future holds, but I know the God that holds our future. And I know that he's positioning us for what he has. And I'm asking God to move on your behalf. I'm asking him to do something that only he can do so that you experience victory in your life, in your family, 
And in our community, we would see God move like never before. I'm not responsible for the world. I'm not responsible for everything in this nation. But as a spiritual leader in this city, I'm responsible for you, for this church, and the climate of our culture. And we want to be a catalyst. We want to set the temperature for God to move like never before. And as we get ready to close, look, I want to leave you with one last passage of Scripture. It's what I believe God is doing. It's something He put in my heart. I've been praying this every single day. I'm asking you to grab a hold of it. I want you to make sure you write it down. Pray it over your life over these 21 days of prayer. Look, Isaiah 43, 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Look, it's so, look it's, something's happening. I want you to know something's happening. And he says, look, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and put streams in the wasteland. Look, God's going to do it. He's going to make a way. I know it looks like a wilderness. I know it looks like there's, there's nothing there for us, but God's going to begin to move like never before. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. God is in control. And I hope and pray that your heart is filled with hope. Look, the next couple of weeks, lock back in. Next week, I'm going to share some things that will help us anchor our souls in this season. Yeah.